0: This week, we held a discussion with Trump and Biden supporters to discuss the character of each candidate. We covered Trump and Biden on race, the border wall crisis versus the climate crisis, the rhetoric of the Trump 2016 campaign, Twitter as an accurate representation of Trump's character, and Trump's use of force on the Black Lives Matter protests. Our participants included teens from Nebraska, Arizona, Texas, Pennsylvania, Maryland, New York, Massachusetts, and California. So many call President Trump racist on the grounds that in the 1970s, the U.S. Department of Justice sued him for racial discrimination. um, And he called for the death penalty for the Central Park Five, which was a group of four black uh, teenagers and one Latino teenager who were accused of attacking and raping a jogger in New York City. And um, they were proven innocent, but in two thousand sixteen he said that he still believes they are guilty despite evidence saying the contrary. Um, in addition to that, Mary Trump has said she's heard Trump use racist slurs, so given all this information presented, do you think President Trump is racist
1: I, I do believe he is racist, just not to the extent that which the media portrays it. I've seen a lot of you know viral you know let's say Instagram posts or you know Twitter you know tweets and stuff that Try and lay out too many things, which supposedly he's racist for. Whereas I think you can make a pretty solid case based on the grounds of you know the examples you gave, as well as perhaps you know one or two more, in which he is racist. But I think that you know I see that you can make a solid case based on the actual you know reasons why he's racist. I will
2: agree with that. I will say that you know, in he is a racist and he needs to be you know treated that way. However, there have been times where statements have been
3: stretched. Just laid out for us pretty much i mean you can if you ignore all of his tweets and only go off of court cases specifically again uh against him multiple uh of offenses of racial inequality uh one of them was he was sued and lost for high and uh, uh similar things so i think that that's a
4: again i found that i've Uh, adding on to points a lot but one of my friend's grandfathers actually worked in the Trump Hotel and they were told from management that when Trump comes um, all of he is (laughs) racist on top of everything that was also said
5: I think we may also want to take into account that there are some things which are Uh, you you,
3: honest I I understand that if this was the 1950s it would be okay to hide your black Uh, your black employees from your patrons but this was the 1980s that was it also it's still racist today the 1980s like I understand that racism didn't go away after the um the civil rights movement but it it still it was made illegal
6: to leave children out of this my main thing is just apologizing
2: and I think if you just like look at his rhetoric how he you know comparing the charlottesville protests the way that he presented those to you can't
3: do that
6: and like my issue it's it would make more sense if he were to apologize for his racist acts not only in the past but present day and his little microaggressions because i mean like with joe biden like they always they always have to bring up what, what you said like the breakfast club interview if you're like if you don't vote for me like you would think like black or whatever he did apologize for that after he shouldn't have said it at all i agree with that but he at least apologized and said i am sorry i should not have done that trump has never apologized for anything he has done he hasn't apologized for attacking a 16 year old climate change activist but yet when someone talks about
0: baron and anything response to that
7: yeah i guess i can go um I think, as far as the thing, the comment you were making about Greta Thunberg, I think that it's kind of you know Trump being uh, a little upset when people talk about Barron, but then all of a sudden it's a big issue when he goes after them. I think it's just that the left has established a double standard. Uh, you know, it's not okay for a conservative to say that hey, I don't necessarily agree with all the things that Greta talks about, but you know, all of a sudden someone tries to make a joke about Barron Trump at the impeachment hearing. You know, we should be applying the same set of standards. If Trump is going to get in trouble for saying that about Greta, then, you know, political, if you get into the political.
6: She got the Time Magazine person of the year. He was jealous because he didn't. And so he decided to attack her in her age. That is wrong because he is the exact same person who, when someone made a joke about Barron or whatever, just even mentioning Barron's name, they got mad. The left agrees. Hey, leave children out of it. We all agree with None of the GOP condemn his actions, and like exactly what what was talking about, like the racism and like the rhetoric. Look at him, um, El Paso, with like the El Paso shooter. He has yet to apologize appall- or like have his like condolences about the El Paso white supremacist shooter, who was doing most of his actions because of Trump and using Trump's negative immigration rhetoric. Far right, actually, radical right spokespeople.
3: I think what's worse about the Greta Thunberg issue uh, is that Greta Thunberg isn't saying anything, Opinions, theories change, laws get reworked so the math works out better. But overall, a theory, according to science, isn't something that can be challenged. And climate change, we're still learning about it, so things will change about it. But theories themselves are rooted in fact in what we know now. And by telling a child, it's an ad hominem attack, but whatever. Uh, if attacking a child for telling, for, for, for cuts.
7: So the double standard is definitely there. And also back on the Barron-Trump thing, Barron didn't ask to be part of politics. His dad ran for president. Greta was out there herself making decisions and saying stuff.
0: John, by go his, ahead yeah
7: so i guess on that uh as far as greta goes the first part is greta was specifically saying to the people at the un the you know it's commonly quoted now the whole how dare you comment that came out she was obviously addressing politicians in a negative light it doesn't necessarily make sense for you to say oh she's just hiding behind scientific opinion and all of that even if
3: hey, wait i have a couple of response questions to, to ask you uh one scientific opinion isn't a thing unless you don't have a, like a degree and you just have an opinion about what science is. Uh, scientific fact, which is what Greta was talking about. How dare you? That
7: part of her speech was addressing how politicians were dismissing her. This is not a hundred percent decided. Science is always t- changing, and especially we're using the word like climate crisis, climate change, etc. Um, and you know, Tom Sowell talks about this in his book Vision of the Anointed that when you use the word crisis, you're not really meaning that it's a crisis itself. It's just that you want to create a political goal or a political end result that you desire. And they're sort
6: of trying to- Crisis as like a whole like, puts like the whole like political propaganda to it. Couldn't you say the same for the border wall crisis? Because his whole 2016 campaign was driven on illegal immigration of the Southwest border. But what many people don't realize is that illegal immigration through our border crossing, the southwest border actually, has been a declining issue since the 80s, only rose up a little bit in 2014, but then continued to decline. So you could honestly say that, okay, so you said like the word crisis is like as like a whole, like brings like a whole, like about politics into it. Isn't the border wall, quote unquote, crisis the same thing? Because it's not really a crisis, but that's what his whole campaign was driven on.
0: Okay, so let me ask this question. Do you think Trump's whole 2016 campaign in which he ran saying that he would build a wall to protect uh, Americans from the Southern border and from drugs and illegal?
4: Do we have a border and, um, sorry, almost, um, it's still, a very, it wasn't very efficient. I don't know, that's not the right word, but it, it didn't like keep out a lot of people. And the new wall is just, like, a bigger fence. And it is going to work better. But legal immigrants coming over here, they, they bring in a lot of diseases. And, you know, they're bringing in children. There's a lot of child sex trafficking. And then we have the cartel that comes in. We have a whole bunch of drugs always coming in. And a lot of teenagers are hooked on all these drugs. And there's a lot of violence and bringing the violence over here really great you know i think it's going to prevent a lot of stuff and i think that if people want to live here they should be coming legally and trump is doing his job as the president his executive order to enforce the laws so i don't think that's a race thing because he's yeah, but he, job.
2: but he's not really like not changing it. He's just building a wall to keep them out. He's not changing policy that will allow them to come in legally. So basically, you know, you'd have to have a, a two-way solution in this sense. You know, you, you can you can try and keep illegal immigration, which is against the law. You know, I don't think there's any disagreement about that. Illegal immigration is against the law. You can keep that out, but then you should put in systems that'll allow more legal immigration to come in.
4: Yeah, that because,
2: would be great. The, right. uh, but I don't think like the wall stuff, that's not racist. And I think, I think okay. you know, if, if you look at the rhetoric, sorry, if you look at the rhetoric that the president is using in that system, I listened to the State of the Union. I heard what he said, okay? The way that he's portraying all people from these countries that are coming in is, is just outrageous. Because you know, it's not that there might be a small percentage of that, and you can work towards keeping that percentage out and keeping that those themes out of our country. But the way you yes. oh, sorry,
6: okay. um, Sophia, you, you might if I ask which part of the border, southwest border, you're from? Because here in my state in Texas, we invest a lot in border, the environmental stuff that is damaging is honestly a whole nother debate. But in terms of, like, illegal immigration, like, we have, like, almost, like, a hundred thousand come back. I would be a term as an illegal immigrant. Okay. Yeah, it's yeah, important to it note
8: a... that the number one sort, like, the, the greatest share of illegal immigrants, like, the, where they come from are overstayed visas. So, um, those, like, you can come across through an airport as opposed to the border wall. So, I think that's also something that needs to be addressed. But I would agree. That like the share that there are like bad things like gang members that are coming through the south the like the southern border and there we need a way to secure that border. Um, I'm not sure if a wall is the most efficient way. Maybe there's some like technology some like technological advancements that we could use that's that are more like advanced than a wall. But I do agree we need to secure it. But at the same time, I also agree that we also need immigration policy.
0: Thing and then we'll move on because this has kind of turned <clears> into the wall debate.
3: Oh, no, I just said I agree. I think the wall is actually um, I mean, it's functional as well as symbolic because it represents a shift in the United States policy towards, you know, actually securing our border with um, policy as well as, you know, physically. So physically. So I think it's good that the wall is being implemented. But of course, there are other things that need to be done, whether, you know, concurrently or after
0: the morals. Um, we can have another discussion on immigration. Um Okay, so now we've talked about like Trump on race, but now we'll move on and talk about Biden on race. So in Mm the Crime Control Law Enforcement Act, which um, I'm not sure if Biden signed it or if he wrote it, led to higher disproportionately affected the black population. And as Jennifer said earlier, he has made the statement, uh, if you have a problem figuring out whether you are for Matt, do Do you think it could be said that...
6: I mean, like, I do understand, like, like, older people tend to, like, have... He has just... He, like, they tend to have these racial blind spots, and I don't feel like he is a full-on racist. Like, I don't think that he intends to be racist. I don't think that he really wants to be racist. All I'm saying is he Obama the whole eight years, like, changed him somehow. But all I'm saying is, even though vote for this, a majority of vote for that. So, we needs to address it?
1: I guess, okay, so the main problem I have with that. It's just generally like it's a it's a double standard, right? With like Trump, it's unbelievable that he says X, Y, and Z and it's considered a racial blind spot and we should like forgive him for it and move on. So the main problem I have is that you're holding, you know, them to two separate standards, whereas with you know, Trump we can never forgive him for things he, you know, said in you know nineteen seventies, nineteen eighties. But with Biden, even though, you know, more recently, you know, he voted for the ninety four crime bill, he, you know, opposed busing legislation early in his career, not to mention the various you know, racially insensitive comments he's had it's things we need to like move on from or like oh we know what he meant when he said you know blacks should only vote for him right it, it's just biden can't really be excused for for
2: what he said and what he did just because he's a democrat you know and
3: that's the that's the main thing it's never gonna happen
2: simon
0: so would you well, like I to go h- after
3: hesitate. oh yeah i won't hesitate to attack biden because he is he he has said some super racist things in the past but my main, the reason that I support him over Trump, not aside from the po- politics issues, like if, uh, like from a purely moral and like s- perspective, Biden is less racist than Trump, only on the grounds that he's had less lawsuits attacking him. Politically, I have to support him because it's not Trump. But it's racism. But Simon, would you like
0: to go?
8: I also think it's important to note that like Biden is kind of trying to just dis- like kind to avoid the the argument that like he is racist by like coming out and saying like his vP candidate will be a woman of color right most likely and that kind of to me that came across as kind of disingenuous and tokenizing like if you're going to pick someone pick someone like because they-
6: rights movement my main thing with the difference between them yes they're both racist but I feel like more recently, it's their rhetoric towards like race relations in America, because with Trump, it's just like blame Black Lives Matter, blame Antifa.
5: I I really like all of what's been said here. Um, I do want to to say that racism is very difficult for me to talk about. Um, Number one, because of the whole BLM thing, but also because of the shocking stats I've heard. um, I don't have the stats memorized in my head, but I do know that statistically speaking, they're more likely to... Drop out of school, fall into poverty, commit crime, and end up in prison for whatever reason, and and I don't like that. That's the case. I wish it weren't. That that makes it really hard to talk about.
6: Wait, but why? That's my thing. Because like a lot of like the issues you just listed in terms of school and. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, you can keep going. Like in terms of school and stuff, like. You said like the more likely to drop out or well, like underfunded schools, you have a higher dropout rate because they're underfunded. And
9: children, I don't know. But essentially what I'm saying is it's not primarily racism can be a part of it. But the one factor, I think a lot of what Simon was looking at, you know, with the higher incarceration rate, higher chances of committing crime and all that, living in poverty, which you can see is a common trend across all races in America. I have a question. Uh,
3: is redlining not a racist policy? Because that directly correlates okay. with it's in
9: schools. I do, I do agree. Redlining was a racist policy. Fortunately, no, it still, it still, it still affects people today. It's still racist. Okay, it does still affect people today, but that's what conservatives are trying to fight for, is school choice, because that's where a lot of it lies. Because you can't just be sending these kids to the same crappy schools with the same crappy teachers, and those teachers are still getting paid. But if you have school choice, you'll be able to go more outside of your current district and expand upon schools. That you can well, have an option from that are better
5: schools. Wouldn't or everybody, everybody just, just, funds just
9: fund to school then? Which would then defund that school
5: by using money for pupil. But then other schools would notice that everybody's going to that school and that would promote competition which is good. Raising in private-
2: But they can't have competition if they don't have the funding. Inherently what you have to do is raise funding to underfunded schools. If, if that's, if that's your sit if you're going to allow everyone to choose what school they go to, then each and every school would have to get the equal amount of funding and the equal amount of support.
7: So it's not as like, you know, cut and dry as you're making it out to be. The problem is that spending on schooling is not directly correlative to how a student is going to perform. The Baltimore Unified School District, or whatever it's called, spends about the most money in the entire country on the education of a student. And there are 13 high schools where you cannot find a single African-American person who is able to read or write at grade level. So the problem is not that you know we have all of this funding that we need to go and address, the problem is that we have a teacher's unions, and I'm a very against public sector unions. Uh, we have unions uh, that you know keep bad employees from being able to be fired, fired for uh, you know bad performance, then it kind of defeats the whole purpose.
2: Wait, well, so you're wait what, what has to do with the student being African-American? It has to do with the student and the teachers that are at those schools and how
7: they're being supported so that they can support the students, right? We're, Right. So the point, that, the point that I'm making is that you, you were trying to make the point that funding is, you know, connected to the uh, performance of a school. I'm right. saying that in like Los Angeles County, there are, uh, you know, take race out of the question. By and large, people are not reading and writing or doing math at grade level. Uh, you can see the same thing in Detroit. You can see the same thing in most of these urban areas. Um, and, you know, unless we decide that we need to do something and change the way that we're looking at schooling as a whole. You know, we had this whole thing where we were talking about police unions for a while, but nobody ever said anything about the teachers' unions. And now the teachers' unions are calling for all of these things and holding students hostage, uh, you know, as we talk about reopening schools. And the people that are going to be hurt most by keeping schools closed are the people that are low-income students and people that come from potentially single or households where parents can't necessarily stay home
1: and help them. Okay, so, I, so at risk of not making this a debate solely about, you know, uh, school choice and stuff, I just wanted, I just want to say I think there are various facets of what you're saying that are correct. So I do think that there are some problems regarding underfunding. However, the teachers union as it is, is probably the most powerful union in this country. And there are, you know, a lot of problems with public sector unions. But right now, I think a large part of it is that teacher unions are not willing to back down. And since they're such a controlling union, they're actually in a lot of places school choice.
0: Uh, Peyton, I know you wanted to say something, if you still want
1: to. Uh, Like,
3: me, I live in the Baltimore metropolitan area, like 10 minutes from, actually 20 minutes from the city, and I've been in it before, and I know some people that go to, like, the Baltimore city, like, public schools and all that. You're right about the funding for them and all that, but there's also a factor of me, like, watching the news every day, seeing another person gets shot like that has an effect on especially the children that grew up around there it's not always the best support system especially living in that area where it's just basically a box really dense out area stripped of all our resources and you have these people seeing murder drugs and all that every day and you have these teachers that probably live within the area so that can affect them greatly. Meanwhile I live
0: education and race if not then we'll move on to the next question
6: okay so lineup you brought up a point about how is that right okay well let's just say that is right um i find it ironic because just um, a couple of days ago um ben carson and trump are getting rid of the affh if you don't know what that is it's like an extension of the fair housing act of 1968 which was meant to decrease the effects of redlining, it away, which would only increase the effects of redlining.
1: Okay, not to step in, I'm not a conservative, but to step in, the AFFH was a horrible, it was vastly, vastly, like, it cost a lot of money. It was very, very poorly executed, horribly, horribly executed plan. Um, okay,
6: like, think- my money. With my thing with that, like, he's getting rid of all this stuff, but he's not having a substitute for anything. He's just getting rid of it without a substitute. He has not said any okay, substitute I agree. for it. I, I agree. Like, he should replace it with something. Yeah, like, if you're going to, like, throw something away, at least replace it with something. At least, John, go ahead.
7: So one of the things that I will say about that is the AFFH, the reg- specific regulation that you're talking about, is something that was added on by the Obama administration. So Trump getting rid of it kind of... It, he's also offering up solutions. He wants to make sure... That you know, suburban communities have more control over what the AFF is trying to do. The federal government can step in and overstep what the local government wants to do. And you know, I'm a conservative. I believe in state rights, federalism. That power should eventually go down to the individual people and communities themselves. And without, you know, by making big governments step in and regulate the amount of transportation funding and stuff people get because they, he would have gone ahead and changed the policy. But
0: I'm um, just going to like throw out a quote that he said on July 29th to see what you guys have to say about this as well because it is involved with um, redlining and housing so he said i'm happy to inform all the people living in their suburban lifestyle dream that you will see or does this help it and is this policy racist uh john go ahead
7: so first of all what he was making the point about in regards to the housing point is that what one of the things that the afh affh would do is If you didn't decide to change local zoning laws, in other words, to allow for a lot of housing to be built in an area, you could come in and build an apartment complex and have a bunch of people living in a certain area. He's saying that you know certain communities should have the ability to regulate the amount of zoning that's going on. So he's trying to make sure that people just don't come in because the federal government forces them to do so and build huge apartment complexes in these suburban communities and maintain what they had fought for for a long time in regards to single family housing, zoning and stuff that exists within these uh, you know, communities themselves.
3: So there was no way to write that. There was no way that he could have said that message instead of exactly. saying it in a way that would have made it sound like what you just said makes sense and would be a reasonable thing to say to the public. But what he said made it sound the way the way that he said it, the rhetoric that he used, whether intentional or not, inherently is not okay
7: right I mean I'm not saying that Trump's Twitter is a perfect example of like uh, you know how we ought to act and uh, I think he definitely says things on Twitter that I don't agree with and things that you know I say why the heck would you say that on Twitter um, he gets into these dumb Twitter wars that don't bring anything out but you know I think at some point he only has 280 characters or whatever it is I don't use Twitter. Um, I mean, again, I think this is probably a one of, those of the screenshot of the memo
3: app or something like 280 characters. I know that's a. I know that that's a very. That's not that many, but I also know posting pictures of text on them or something. Again, R- original, yeah,
7: yeah, I'm not. I'm not difficult. disputing the fact that like he can do stuff in other ways. I, I again, I don't think this was a great. uh, The messaging on this wasn't the best. Just like the one where he talked about the suburban housewives of America. Um, on, in a different tweet, like that one didn't. That one didn't make sense either. Um, again, he was making the same point about AFFH, but you know, you don't have to go down to these sort of uh, things where conservatives are like Trump. I know you're trying to appeal to suburban women who are going to win you the election, but you know, don't come across that way.
6: Well, I'm glad you brought up the suburban woman part because in an earlier tweet, he um uh, he called instead of suburban women, he called them suburban housewives. So already implying that he has a stereotype that that women in the suburbs are housewives. And with like his suburban woman vote, it's actually been declining. And he is, um, it was super strong in 2016, but now it's going really down. You can see the the huge sign that his vote is going down.
0: Okay, so staying on the topic of um, Twitter and Trump's Twitter, um, a few weeks ago, Um, video but it was pretty loud so he might have heard it he might not have but what do you think this says about his character and i'm
1: not sure oh you go go
5: good i'm not sure twitter can define someone's people can be very mean on twitter um but um taking that video for example um I don't know much about that, but for all I know, that could have been accidentally posting the wrong video. He could have meant to post something else and then realized, oh shoot, wrong video.
2: So I answer. don't think that's the issue at hand at that point, and I think Twitter is uh, an examination of someone's character because they can, you know, they're they're there, they're typing it himself. But Twitter can often be taken out of hands because you're just seeing words on a page. So if it is directly a video and I didn't see the video myself, and if it's very, you know, you can hear in the distance that someone's shouting "White Power," whether it's, you know, the a real video or not, Trump could just come out in front of a, ca- a camera and do a press release where he says, you know, I condemn white supremacy in the United States.
4: Office
0: Twitter. Um, I will check on that while you guys can.
6: I don't know, like, the best word to describe it, but they were old but still, like, able to stand and do stuff. Um, the old people had, like, little like, Trump parade on their golf carts, and um, the Democratic old people were, like, protesting, you know, saying, like, Black Lives Matter. If you support him, you're a racist and stuff. And so 10 seconds into the video, a, a, guy, a guy in a golf cart who's a Trump supporter drives off screaming white power doing the white power sign. So you can't really say that he from a bigger issue, the Russia bounty scandal. That's why he did that.
3: Uh, he zoomed in. the video zoomed in on the guy yelling white power. So I, like focus on the video for like three seconds.
2: I mean, whether it is or it isn't, even if he deleted the video, it's very easy to just say, I'm not, I'm by no means saying Trump should get in front of a, a camera and say Black Lives Matter. I am, however, saying he should get in front of a camera and say, I do not support white supremacy organizations or anyone that condemns
1: hate against any other sort of race. To be fair, I think he has. I've seen an interview clip where he actually explicitly says like, I do not support, I condemn the KKK and he lists, you know, a couple other organizations. So I think he has done. I do agree with Felix, where it just, it's very simple to just say like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize it was in the video. I apologize. I don't condemn what was happening in the video. I think it's, I think part of his problem, he's so brash in the way that he conveys things. And he sometimes comes across as like not caring or, you know, perhaps in this case, you know, white supremacists, et cetera, whereas a simple apology would like, you know, clear things up very quickly. And I don't think he has, you know, whether it's he's too prideful or whatever, he doesn't do that, which I think is a problem. You know, there's an, uh, I don't know if anyone saw this, but there's an interview he had with Dave Portnoy in which like, it was very, very lax conversation, but essentially Dave asked him like, do you ever regret stuff you tweet on Twitter? And he was like, yeah, all the time. And like, I wake up the next day Thinking, oh, what did I tweet? And, you know, I think if anything, that was like the most humane I've ever seen him. He's otherwise like not very, you know, like compassionate or you know, interpersonal. But um, that, like, if he was just more like that in regular day to day occurrences, I think he would have a lot more general like distanced uh, image he gives off usually. Yeah, I I agree with you on
7: that. The, the Portnoy interview, without a doubt, was one of the best interviews that anyone's given to the president during his entire presidency. And it kind of says a lot that a sports journalist is the one that's giving the president a great interview. And for me, just as, you know, I'm a Trump supporter, um, I think that he should be doing more of these types of interviews where, you know, for example, he goes on Joe Rogan or goes on Dave Rubin, where it's more with the retweets, they get him the most. He specifically said the retweets get him the most. I think that, again, this was another... Thing on his twitter where conservatives were like what the heck are you doing um you know it was not a news cycle that he needed um especially because of the russia bounty scandal that was going on which in the first place um was you know in my opinion was the second coming of the russia hoax uh and you know it was just the obama administration type of pyramid investigation
6: um my main thing with that um Russia hopes. Um, it's actually kind of ironic you said that when multiple GOP senators like Lindsey Graham, Brad Paul, and Mitt Romney, obviously, when they came out and say, hey, the president should address this. We, you know, every news network covered it, including Fox. They even know the guy's name who was supposed, who has been, you know, killing the U.S. soldiers in Afghanistan. I don't know his name because it's really long, but they do have his name. Um Trump was pressed about it on an Axo- Axios interview. Like, hey, we talked to Russia about this scandal. He said, no, nothing else. So he knows about it. And even the GOP knew about it. The GOP senators had a secret meeting about the scandal.
7: So. It's been going according to plan, God willing, it continues to go that way. Um- And, you know, the point I was making about the Durham report is this is just another one of these things where they try to say that Trump is a Russian stooge and doing all this stuff. When if you actually go back and look at all the stuff in regards to Russia, you know, Donald Trump has been fairly hard on Russia. You know, there's no clip of Donald Trump saying, oh, I have more. Uh, flexibility after the election like obama said around 2012 uh to the you know the russian and amb- uh, russian foreign minister and also like donald trump wasn't paying foreign countries and stuff for dirt on a political opponents that weren't true that were then being funneled through american uh think tanks that i was trying to make on the russia house brody go so ahead
2: our conversation sorry emma our, our conversation is really shifting thing about moral character and just to to um go off of what was said earlier about the Portnoy interview. That was one of the first interviews where I could really see Trump as like a human being and a person because beforehand, I could really just see him as this, you know, this politician views. I took those firsthand. So what, what is it really that we should be judging people off of? We just have to understand that we have to view politicians
3: also as human That to me makes Trump an absolutely inexcusable person and still believes himself to be in the right, from my perspective. And it seems like he's unwilling to learn the things he's said and done in the past, which makes not a valid candidate on on the basis of morals.
7: So, So first thing that I'll say on the thing about Trump and not apologizing, I totally agree with you. I think he should, you know, it makes him come across more human uh, one of the things that I've been, you know, kicking him for in the past couple of weeks was that he
6: did... Inauguration, like, his election night, he said, he must be one country now, It must be one this. Trump, all he will do is find an enemy rather visible or invisible. He would always bash it. That's the most dumbest thing. I just can't
3: <laughs> And I think that was on top of... I, Jennifer I mentioned Antifa, and that, the tweet that he, that I forget what the exact wording was, what? That's insane. Antifa, it's a, it's a short... It's shorthand for anti-fascist. That was... that. He, you can also... The other thing... What, just because you're saying that you're Antifa and then you do a crime, that doesn't mean that you're part of,
7: like, some terrorist organization.
0: Okay, John so, and uh, Simon a, respond a to things, that. If I
7: could have one last thing on this. One, anti- Antifa is really just... Anti- or any of the people... Well, Fleckus does stuff like this, any of the people that actually go inside all of these Antifa events and see that this is not just in mind, should be using RICO statutes and stuff to prosecute people for stuff that they've been doing. They arrested 80 people in Portland for stuff, including throwing lots of projectiles and Molotov cocktails at you know federal officers that are just protecting a courthouse, and they blinded three of them. So there's some clear coordination that's going on there. And, you know, President Trump has a duty to protect people, and he should use all the powers that he has, uh, in addition to what DHS can do to protect his federal agents that are, you know, protecting the country and protecting that courthouse.
6: Okay, but see, that, see, that's the problem when it comes to protect, because you just say that you're like a whole pro-state right person, but when it comes to that, you're not, you're your federal government, which is graffiti. And in terms of what they're doing, yes, they can protect their little courthouse. But you don't need to be three, four, sometimes six blocks away from the actual They are assaulting people. If you don't run away fast enough, they will assault you. They don't even arrest you. The point is to arrest somebody, not to assault them. Your observers there, the violation of the Fourth Amendment right, yeah, arrest warrants and stuff. They're making proactive arrests aka the
7: actual litigation of you know that but what i will tell you is that one you you tried to just say that it was just graffiti you know it's just not it it is much more than graffiti they've arrested numerous people for throwing stuff projectiles uh you know starting fires on federal property arson is a lot more than just graffiti arson is so, so a number of things on that. One, federal officers still have the ability to go out and you know, make arrests in regards to things that they see. It's not like the federal guards, uh, federal officers are constrained to that one area. They can go and make arrests. And there have been differing reports about some of the videos that have come out. There have been rumors that if it was deemed that they did something that was outside the confines of what they were supposed to do. I think the issue that we're having here is that I think that's just Don't the difference please- that we're having here.
9: The courts
8: have
6: a
0: long you list, but... You right? Okay, this is about... ...up this sentence so we can finish up because it's been like an hour 22. So, Linus, go ahead.
9: So, these are obviously tragic cases we have here, but how do we know? I mean, like he's been saying, without context, we can't necessarily know, and maybe you do know your context. Maybe it's easier to see through videos or cases or however you're discovering this. But how do we know these just aren't one-off bets? I mean, like in the case of, let's say, the George Floyd video... Obviously, unfortunate. he should not be dead. But the video got shared across the Internet millions of times, I'm sure. So does it in any case,
3: there is that issue there? There is the issue that if these were one off events, they would be tried and they would be dealt with accordingly, but they aren't being dealt with accordingly. So people are protesting the fact that they aren't being dealt with accordingly. And through the protest,
6: until proving guilt, until guilty, correct? correct because in america we are innocent until proven guilty not guilty until proven innocent but it seems like there's a double standard in whichever side you're on if you support it or not or if it's a protester in a protesting area you don't know if they actually did something bad because you have no proof and a lot of them don't even have proof they did something bad it was just like hey you're in the area so my issue is they are not following the innocent until proven guilty rule in america
2: And so I think the only thing the only thing I'm going to say about police brutality here is that a police officer should not have the ability to use lethal force unless the person against them is directly waving a
5: gun, threatening the
0: thoughts. Thank uh, thank you to both sides, because I learned so, so, so much. And I think it was really respectful of you. go ahead.
5: This is my first time doing this, and I really enjoyed talking with you guys. I'm glad that it didn't really get out of hand and turn into a debate. It actually stayed
2: to, true to what it really was meant to be, as like a, a conversation of, of both sides
0: and listening to each other. And so many more. We want our discussions to be a reflection of all viewpoints. If you, so if you are a teen and you feel that your opinions were not reflected by this podcast, please join us to
6: be heard.